0: Welcome to In the Landscape, a podcast on all things landscape design and care related with your hosts, Kate and Charles Sadler. Hello and welcome to another episode of In the Landscape. I am Kate Sadler, one of your happy hosts here today. And with me is my co-host, Charles Sadler.
1: Good to be here.
0: Hi, Charles. How's it going? Good. Good. We are recording today's episode just before you head out for another whirlwind of work in some other states. And so we look forward to getting caught up on how it's going in the frosty Northeast. Oh,
1: right. <laughs> and I'm going go to go to a warm place on the way too.
0: Oh, that's right. You're going to do a visit to New Orleans. Right. They stop in between. So we may uh, we may catch our listeners up on where you're visiting and, and what you're doing there because that's actually in anticipation of a talk that you'll be giving in February in Manhattan. So exciting times, always researching and gathering information. And today's topic came up because you had come home from another visit to the nursery, (laughs) which I think is probably your happy
1: place. Yeah, here in Texas, right? Recently.
0: Yes. Well, But any
1: nursery, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's,
0: you know, as you're coming up with ideas for landscapes or you know, just getting some downtime, It's sort of like your activity, you
1: know, golfing or,
0: or or, I don't know. I like video games, which some listeners may think is odd, but even at, even at my age, I'm, I'm still a fan of some video games. So Mm -hmm. it's whatever I think helps you, I don't know, relax the mind a little bit and kind of check out, but still be engaged in something you enjoy. However, for me, the nursery is not a happy place. (laughs) I don't want our listeners to have the impression I don't actually like the garden. I do. I really do. But, you know, growing up, my mom, a huge garden enthusiast, and she would sort of like drag us to the nursery while she went shopping. And uh, I think I would rather have been doing something else.
1: Yeah. It's like watching paint dry. If you're not a plant person it's like, what's the big deal here?
0: A little bit. I mean, it's like, it's pretty. The very first sort of impression of any nursery is like, wow, there's lots of plants and lots of color. It's very exciting. But the the discernment that you need to kind of go down the aisles and find what you're looking for is it's irrelevant if you are not envisioning a garden in a way, because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, well, I like purple flowered, plant so I guess I could go look at those in particular, but I, I don't have an agenda. I don't have a program.
1: Right. It'd be like, oh to an art supply store. It's that's
0: a good yeah, a gonna, good The goal is
1: I'm gonna create something.
0: Yeah. Are you gonna knit I'm... or are you gonna paint? And I do knit. So I do know all about you go <laughs> and you select your colors, you know which you you're know what you're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. The and, gauge of your needles and what's appropriate. So that's yeah, that's a good crossover. And I'm sure some of our listeners have other other ideas there. So It helps to have a plan. As I have come to know, uh, having worked with you in our business, there are a variety of nurseries. They're not all the same. Some are retail, some are wholesale, some are specialty nurseries. I know there was one out in California near Half Moon Bay that specialized in Japanese maples. So oh, right. I do love Japanese maples and it had like the biggest variety I certainly had ever seen. And that was on
1: our list, I think. It was one trip we didn't quite get to that. Yeah,
0: but. it's a bit of a drive to get out to Half Moon Bay. Totally worth it if you can make it. But, you know, we were visiting family. So that that doesn't always mean there's the time for the day trips that you might like. Mm-hmm. So it's still on our list, though. I mean, we'll be back in California for sure.
1: That's true. of is really where they're a retail nursery might be close to where people live. But even retail nurseries, sometimes they're a little bit on the outskirts because mm-hmm. space is at a premium. There's like high price to pay for space. Nurseries take up usually a fair amount of space. So the larger the nursery operation, usually the further it is from populated areas.
0: Right. Yes. I mean, we have those photos we took as we were going out to this in regional wilderness in California. It's like in the East Bay area, east of San Francisco and it was a, a special nursery that was even holding trees for a very specific planting of a new building in the San Jose area. And, oh, right. uh, <laughs> and it was certainly on the outskirts. I mean, I had passed it many, many times, but it was not a nursery of interest. It wasn't, I don't even think my mom, the, the gardener, would have stopped in there because it was, I think, a, a wholesale nursery right, or, or a commercial nursery. I don't know if there's a difference.
1: I guess a commercial nursery would be wholesale. More okay, or less. Okay. All right. So I mean, there's some crossover, like some of the nurseries I've gone to in Texas lately, and they want to appeal to the most some of the nurseries want to appeal to the largest audience. So they're they will sell wholesale, but it's a retail nursery. And if you're a professional and you walk in and you'd say there'll be there'll be a separate price list for four professionals.
0: It's kind of like the retail nurseries that have really cool not gift shop but kind of like you th- right. so they have the plants for the plant enthusiasts but then where i typically hang out is in the you know where you can buy like <laughs> i don't know wind chimes and
1: yeah ornaments yeah so like some of those mexican ceramics yeah, that you like those are beautiful or very colorful and that could be it could be hung on a wall or it could be a statue a bird bath
0: yeah so there is some as far as business model goes, there's certainly some diversity in in what you find even within a category like retail.
1: Right. You call, you'd call those hard goods often, hmm. as opposed to like a plant is like a, it's not, it's living. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so one other thing that you mentioned as we were getting ready for this episode was the was the thought of traveling to nurseries when you are in other countries. And mm-hmm. again, it might get you so the gardens are obvious, are obvious choices. Anytime we have a travel destination as landscape enthusiasts, the gardens are on our list. We make sure to visit. But those nurseries might get you into a slightly different part of the country than, as you're mentioning, slightly off the beaten path. And you'd have an opportunity to really see the local plants in development, I guess. One, I know my mother, my sister lived in France for a while. Her her in laws are from France. Well, I guess her husband is from France. So <laughs> in laws still live there. And my mother fell in love with Jardiland, which is oh. the it's it's a retail space. I don't think it's quite like Home Depot's or Lowe's because I don't think it's the quite like the um, home improvement side. It really is garden focused, but it has a wide range of garden items that you would need as well as plants. I didn't personally stop in. So if I've misspoken, our French listeners can let us know. But Jardiland, there was just something about it that was like a cut above some of the chain retail nurseries that she had been to Mm -hmm. here. And she was very excited. And I think who would go back to Jardiland on a visit (laughs) anytime. And again, it was just going into a, a local retail store. But there's that wonder of travel in, I don't know, doing the things that are a little more everyday. You're really experiencing the authenticity of a place, and not just those places that are kind of on display,
1: right? And the sort of the mundane, everyday when you get outside of your home state or home region, even like even within your own country, things are often done differently, mm-hmm. and so that's they're sort of fascinating. It's like the way things are in a container, or maybe they're not in a container. Something that you would always buy in a container, it's in a bag. The tree, right. like the tree, might be sold in a those soft bags to encourage root developments, like fe- like a felt fabric bag, are pop. So some places in the world, that's so common and other places you would never see it or it'd be an outline.
0: It kind of reminds me of grocery store, supermarket shopping when you're traveling and, <laughs> and taking that route rather than going to a restaurant. Like the restaurants are a given, you look for the place with the best rating, but if you just go into the grocery store, you get to have this like, second adventure where the mm-hmm. thing, things are familiar and yet different and i guess that's maybe the case for those you know international nursery experiences right. so hopefully we'll get some more of those under our belt on our next our next international travel mm-hmm. so we want this to be a fun podcast but also informative so we really do have sort of a rundown of how to approach the nursery mm-hmm. we know some of our listeners are professionals and are probably Really familiar with the nursery, or maybe looking for tips about the wholesale nursery, we'll certainly talk about that. We'll start with the retail nursery because that applies to everyone. Even, you know, I know you, when we moved here, would visit the retail nursery just to get a sense of what was available. You have the luxury of going to the wholesale as a landscape professional. Um, And we can talk about that distinction too. But it's not that even as a professional, the retail nurseries have no value
1: right right if it's like a you see a broad survey the retail nurses are more convenient often so if you wanted to you land in a place like what's being sold here are as a certain like our red buds tolerant of the Texas heat yes they are our dogwoods not really so dogwoods are not wouldn't be so common
0: so one distinction we may start with just because I think of our visits to the growing region in Oregon state where you have visited what we would call nurseries but they're actually growing the plants
1: there right so you might call that a grower would be a broad term
0: and yet there's a purchase component or are they purely doing like bulk wholesale to other nurseries
1: how that like well like that j frank schmidt or eisley so eisley that specializes in, in unique conifers often dwarf conifers unusual they would i mean it's like a higher price point so it's like a really premium beautifully grown special plant so those are found at higher end retail nurseries Some- could you
0: buy directly from them if you were just a an individual or would you have to have an order of a certain size yeah, yeah, uh,
1: so like as a professional they would have a minimum if i wanted to order it wouldn't be a tractor trailer full but you know if we wanted to order like they specialize in those mini- miniature conifers so there'd be a minimum which, I mean, it would definitely be hundreds of dollars, might be thousands of dollars as a minimum. And then they say, well, for us to, to ship it to Hastings on Hudson, New York, or Greenwich, Connecticut, or Houston, where we have offices, if it wasn't a large order, we would have to be patient with it. And they'd say, okay, we're going to be coming to Houston, Texas during this six-week period.
0: Wow. Okay, so on the other end of the spectrum, at our retail nursery, how do we approach our visit? And what are some things we should know about selecting a nursery? Are there obvious signs that it's a well run or if the plants are of a certain quality? Are there things we should be discerning about that might say, you really should avoid this one? And no disrespect to anyone running a nursery out there. We're certainly not going to name any names or anything. It's really just, you know, if, if something is on the downturn for whatever reason, right. we would want listeners to be aware of, of when to be cautious purchasing.
1: I mean, in running a nursery, it's a difficult business. Yeah, you have an item items that are perishable, and they're prone to disease, fungus, rot, insects. So, I mean, it's like a ticking time bomb in a way. So, there's attrition or waste. There's plants that are going to die that are they're going to have to throw out. So,
0: is there a, so kind of like imperfect produce, which is still edible? It's just not the right size, and there are movements to kind of reclaim that. Is there right. anything one can do with the plants that are not being sold by a nursery? Could they go maybe well, nurseries like, are doing this, but like donation programs? Well
1: with like when you go to the ANSI, American National Standards Institute, which is set set standards, then there's American Horticultural nursery standards. There's all kinds of nursery standards. And it would be the same like when you buy fruit in the supermarket. Is it a double A apple or is it a grade C apple? Maybe a grade C or D apple is going to be used for applesauce. Mm. And a grade double A is you're going to have that, you're going to eat that in your hand, possibly. So for the nurseries, it'd be the same. So there's I mean, common phrases when I go to wholesalers, they'd say, oh, you know, those uh, oaks, those are more like like construction grade or contractor grade or builder grade. So that's when you're putting in a new development, they're going to be ordering 1300 oak trees. And so they're perfectly, they're perfectly viable, healthy. It's not a specimen. It's not the most beautiful version of that.
0: So maybe the question about what happens to non-sellable grade plants is another, is a question specifically for nursery people. Do those get donated to school planting jobs? Or is it that if it doesn't reach a certain, you know, the apple is still edible if it's not the right size, but maybe the plant just won't grow if it doesn't meet these standards and it's not worth someone else taking the risk of trying to nurture it if if all the industry people haven't been able to get it to that stage, then it's just not.
1: I mean, there'd be like the premium retail or premium wholesale grade. And then there's a range within that where it's perfectly viable. Then there's a range where it's not viable. The tree has crossing branches. I mean, there's different parts of the country as I travel where some of the the horticultural standards are higher than others. There's parts where it's like really high and it's, and the people, whether it's retail or landscape designers, landscape architects, selecting the plants, which people have explained this to me in horticulture around the country, if the quality is somewhat based on on the demand. So if, if people are not buying it, they're like, we're not going to accept this quality, then it, it, it forces the, the growers to produce a higher quality. If it's accepted, then the level of quality varies throughout the US.
0: Well, and we've observed in our travels that there are some regions of the United States where things just grow more easily. So it may even be not like the aesthetic standard, but like you could plant anything in California, it's it's going to grow. Well, mm-hmm. if you have the water, <laughs> <Some> should, <laughs> right. there's uh, probably caveats to everything. Those standards may, may even be based on just how simple it is to get stuff to kind of do its thing. And you don't have to worry that much about <laughs> encouraging it along. So you're going to your nursery. What are things you should look for in a good nursery?
1: Well, that it's going it to be similar to a restaurant or other establishments. Is it, like, is it clean? Is it tidy? Those things... If it's not so, if it's not if it's like the nursery is like a little messy, messy, a little unkempt, so those kind of practices could lead to disease, insects. If it's visually kind of messy, that other things might not be may be skimped on. So, like a well-run nursery, the sales staff is very knowledgeable. You ask a question, and you know, you always say, "Is this going to work in my area?" And even a wholesale nursery, I might say, I mean, the okay. wholesalers are. Or retail it could be uh, maybe an hour or two from where you live, and climates can change. It could be like in the Greater New York City area. It could be up the Hudson River. That could be where the grower is, and in like lower the lower Hudson Valley, it's it's a different climate. And so you get ask those questions.
0: Now, once you're, or maybe even before you head to the nursery what should you be prepared for? Assuming you're not one of those special class of people, the plant addicts that are out there, maybe even listening Where any trip to the nursery or as in your case, any trip to the nursery is a good one. But if you really have an agenda, when are you ready to go to the nursery? This is a little like the, I think the design question where I'm like, Mm -hmm. you know, outdoor furniture, I'm I'm out buying pillows before I even know what the program is. So, So how is it for the nursery? So you're, you know, making the most of your time and the informational resources of the people you might be talking to there
1: okay good good question so planning so if you have a design that you're fulfilling or some kind of like having some kind of a list of what you need the plant name if you have the scientific name that's helpful because there's like let's say like a plant like a beauty berry that could be a lot of different plants depending on where you are in the country or the world so having a, a plant list that's that's very organized so we want four of these shrubs, one of this tree, 24 of this ground cover, the quantity, the common name, the scientific name, if, uh, if you can, ideally. Okay. Uh, so
0: assuming you've been able to do your research in advance and you have that plant list ready, great. But it does remind me that perhaps perhaps you do go to the nursery before you have an idea, because maybe you mm-hmm. just don't know that much about plants. You're, like, you're, you're enthusiastic, you're ready to go. And uh, we actually have a great new course in our online courses, kinggardeninc.com forward slash online dash courses. If you're interested, of course, it's not for everybody. It's really a beginner's series and it talks Mm -hmm. about reading a few different labels that are important for basic gardening. And one of those just happens to be the plant label that you can't had. I, for example, when my mother was visiting her, her nurseries, and bringing me along, had I stopped to actually read the plant label, I I would have been gathering information about mm-hmm. plants, such as the scientific name, and then some other important factors to growing them successfully. So, it is possible to go and, make, I guess, see what you, what you like, gather that information, and then assess it in terms of your space.
1: Right. There could be a couple of different trips. A nursery could be an education source. You could go and see what's available what would grow in your area you could ask when are these plants available they might say you know we like it's fun to plant nasturtiums and those are it's kind of hard to find those it's i mean like depending on where you are like i know the northeast well so i
0: was gonna say i think in california they're maybe they're available all year everywhere they're so beautiful it's the orange flower right Right. and the like lily pad like leaf
1: right i think the flowers are edible
0: Oh, yeah. No, those grow, I think, wild. <laughs> right. I don't know that they're native, but they grow everywhere, at least so, in the Bay Area.
1: So a plant like, so if that was your goal, oh, we want to buy nasturtiums, like we use those. My mother does a planter for my grandmother's grave, and she always puts that in it with potato vine nice. and oh, other plants. Beautiful. It's available for a short period of time. I think it's, it's in the category of like herbs, even though I don't know that it is an herb. But So a nursery might have like 100 pots of that. And then when they sell out in the spring in the Northeast US, that's it, like they're not going to get any more. So planning ahead, even if it's not the right time of year to say, oh, you know, we love getting like a few rosemary pots and some basil and it's February. When do you get that? Well, we, and the nursery could tell you, like in a warmer climate, they're like, we always have that. Or if it's a temperate climate, we start getting those in like the first week in May. You can plan.
0: You know, I should mention too because I I did sort of call out like your home improvement store here in the United States, like your your hardware or home improvement big box store, mm-hmm. and they do typically have a garden center. You can mm-hmm. get mulch and soil and and a variety of plants especially depending on the season. Again, not to turn our noses up at at a resource for purchasing plants you yourself have gone in and found really good deals. And and a lot of it just boils down to one, knowing what you're looking for so that it's the right plant in the right place. And then evaluating it from sort of a plant health perspective, is it going to survive? And then those plants, once they're under your care, can be really nurtured along into like great additions to the landscape. So Mm -hmm. it's not to say that any one place is, you know, there are certain I'm sure really, really great retail nurseries in the mm-hmm. around the country. But your your big box home improvement store may also have good resources.
1: Right. I mean, it's like if you're a chef, you know, everything can be a resource. It, it doesn't have to be maybe to be blunt or a more premium retail nursery. There, there ought to be like really good service, only good quality plants. So you couldn't go too far off track with those, but it's like you're gonna pay the highest price but they're not going to steer you wrong. It's a more knowledge, you have. if you're very knowledgeable, where I can sort of see like a diamond in the rough, you know, <laughs> right. at, at, a, at a place where, I mean, some of those the retail that sells larger quant- quantities, it's not as high a grade. The plants are not like a double A grade. But like you said, once you plant it, you care for it, it can quickly do great.
0: <laughs> yeah, great. Right. So are there people at nurseries? I suspect there are who are horticulture experts and knowledgeable, like if you're speaking their language, you're giving them scientific names and such. And can they give you information about what would be good for a specific spot? Or I guess one question is like, when does it cross over? Because we're advocates for people in the industry. Like when does it cross over into, maybe you should consult a professional as opposed to visiting the library and talking to the reference librarian, like getting information from the nursery people when you're there okay good. That, i don't know if that makes sense no
1: that sure does because there is a lot of crossover i guess my sense is to be open and you never know where where there'll be good information so some of the better in mean, the wholesalers i visit the people they're often knowledgeable about the plants that they sell i wouldn't call them horticulturalists though where at the better retail nurseries there are people that they often do in-house design, so it's it wouldn't be on like the grandest scale usually, but for lots of basic landscape design and installation, they'd be perfectly serviceable. Amongst that category, there'd be horticulturalists. And so if you explain the conditions, like well, I have moss growing in this area, it's pretty shady, but there's moisture, they could steer you, they'd say, oh, you know, the pulmonaria and there's just a certain type of an evergreen fern would work. So it's not going to be very deep knowledge, but there's often horticultural resources.
0: We can shift gears a little bit and talk about the wholesale nursery. Can anyone show up? I know we've talked a little bit about your visits to nurseries and growers in particular in the past. What's the rule for a wholesale nursery?
1: Uh, you know, it depends. on the on where you are on the on the establishment. Some like very strict, where you need to have your tax ID number. You want have, have a business card. I mean, they're really qualifying that you really are a professional.
0: (laughs) And is that to save them time? I mean, what if I were an estate owner and really, really, really wanted like 500 Arborvitae to, you know, screen a yard? Could I get over that hurdle somehow? Right,
1: it's it's possible. So that does happen. I mean, I'll see that. So there are some that are not, it's not set in stone. Like you don't need a taxi number. If you're a paying, I mean, you see that like, in some parts of the country where it's, it's a national chain, uh, wholesale nursery. Sometimes they're not as strict, you know, because they have a giant volume.
0: But you are going to need to go in there with wholesale purchase expectations. Like, right. you better be sort of reserving a certain quantity or you really would be wasting their time.
1: Correct. Right. To a certain extent. I mean, the wholesale is very different than the retail. There's
0: yeah, it's not as fun. It's. I mean, I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> I've already expensive. learned to sort of love the retail nursery experience with you and my mom and that history. But the wholesale nursery I've been to, it's down to business. Like they're, you know, men are driving the. For the most part, men.
1: It's like the loaders. But
0: they're yeah, driving loaders. They're you're pulling buckets of plants and I mean, the it's, sizes it's are big. It's dangerous too.
1: I mean, like muddy. when they say hey, wear appropriate footwear. No dog, don't bring your dog. I mean, which might sound silly, but some people everywhere they go, they have their dog. Don't bring your no children. I mean, people get backed over by machines, people get hurt or, you know, so it's when we've taken some interns or other new employees, somewhat like reading like the Riot Act, like this is serious business. You're not you're not drinking your coffee. It's there's machines loading, there's trucks loading. So for a wholesale setting, to really have your your list really tightly written. And all on one page. Double check it, and the loading process is sometimes so rapid fire. Mm-hmm. So having, like, I like having an assistant with me, where the assistant's helping load and counting the quantities, and I'm checking off. You know that that we really are getting. Or do we really get twenty three winter gem boxwood?
0: Well, and definitely have those scientific names ready to go because they will really not respond if you don't. So right. that's the other thing is like in a retail setting, you can often go online or call ahead and ask if there's certain inventory before you show up. If, you know, if you know what you want, you're just checking to see if it's there. With the wholesale nursery, it's a real job to call with your list and see what the availability is. And then as I've observed from you in your practice you always go and look at the plants. Like yeah. there's almost, you know, buying plants sight unseen is just not, it's not a good idea. And I suppose you, you know, in the day and age of, of online shopping, which I admit I'm <laughs> a big fan of uh, for the most part, you know, it's like not trying on your clothes or something like you, you might end up regretting it. If you haven't seen the specific, specimen that you are going to be planting in the spot that you have set out for it
1: right inspecting it so for me it's there's often a scouting visit where it's some of the better i mean well it's more convenient some of the more convenient wholesalers still have their plant availability online which is like a password protected you can log in and see what quantity they have it's not up to date to the minute usually but the norm is that that's not available and the, they're not the greatest on the phone. You know, it's what they're great at is like producing beautiful plants.
0: Right. And Again, all due respect, they're not the greatest on the phone. Or if they're not the greatest on the phone is because they're busy growing. You right. Know, so it's like, it's like no disrespect. Yeah.
1: Like they're not really in the- They're
0: not there to chat with you. They're not exactly. in the customer
1: service. Their primary is like volume production sure. of plants, which they do beautifully. So depending how far away the nursery is, if it's in, I mean, there's places we've dealt with that are many hours away. It might be a six-hour drive, four-hour drive. So places like that, it has worked. Where I called, so this is I'm looking for this quantity of this type of a tree of a hawthorn trees, and they sent photos, and that mm-hmm. was perfectly. It was a very reputable company. The photos were very clear. They had It's you want to have somebody have have a person in the photo for scale, mm-hmm. and there's even like the uh, measuring rods with one foot intervals, so you can say, okay, this is, really is 18 feet. And that
0: can work pretty well. So one part of our episodes that I give a little bit of short shrift, but it's something it's, it's the part of the research that you get really excited about. And some of our listeners may also be interested. So I don't want to overrun it (laughs) with me talking about whatever is some of the numbers from the industry.
1: Um, Oh, right. When we looked up U S department of agriculture. And so let's see the numbers here. So there's about 20. So like, One of the latest censuses is 2014. I think it's done every five years, it looks like. So there's about 23,000 operations in the United States that are growing ornamental horticulture. So that's a lot. Almost all of them, like almost like I think it's 96% of them, are doing $100,000 or more in sales. So $100,000. So there's so most of them are pretty good size. It's there's quantities, and the majority of what's being grown and sold is what they call nursery stock which would be trees and shrubs
0: but even saying that hundred thousand dollars in sales and above which um, is
1: wholesale which is which is a lot less than retail i mean it's maybe it's one-fifth one-half it's a lot less well
0: like i guess where i was going with that though is is it still often family run or Mm -hmm. small not small operations but like you're still supporting a small business in essence like even if they really have it together and they're doing a relatively high volume of sales it's it's a lot of hard work it's boots on the ground it's really people invested in this as sometimes a generational industry right, multi-generational and so, and so you're having an opportunity when you you know seek out and visit different nurseries maybe yeah. not just your home and garden store but privately owned nurseries in your in your area you have an opportunity to support something like that if that appeals to you
1: you're right from some of that that business training that I did pre- pretty recently, a small business defined by the government is 500 employees or less. So most of these would be 500 employees or less. It's so it's like it's made up of small businesses. This is really how the whole country runs. That even these very large chains, their local presence might be like 60 employees or 10 employees. And then as far as the expenses of how's all this money. Uh, being spent the majority of this nursery industry is is the is the cost of the labor to produce it so that's like they're saying it's like about four billion dollars it's less than two billion for the seeds plants vines trees that like raw material they're starting with like a small and then containers gasoline other th- that's a very small percentage so it's it's skilled labor and it's large quantities of land so the land's generally pretty low cost to enable you to do it. In places like Oregon, there's plenty of water. The water is almost free. You're not paying for water. They often have a retention ponds or lakes. So they're watering the plants and the, that runoff is going back on site. So they're not paying. F- they're really not paying out of pocket for water.
0: Well, and you mentioned skilled labor, but it it's... Seems like kind of one of those industries that maybe there aren't as many of in this day and age, where it's a trade more than you know. A, you know, you don't necessarily have to go and it's pay, like on the job training, years of college or right. something to You'd be able start to do off. it. So it's a, it's a, it's a. You're potentially working for like a good supportive employer again, family owned. I just n- have come to discover visiting. The various nurseries, the people seem happy to work there. You're outside, mm-hmm. you're working with plants, which is really, it's obviously something we love. So it's, you know, I think something that the people who work there love. And again, it's just a nice environment to be a part of when it's really cooking along and going well.
1: You're right. In every climate, even climates that are subtropics where it's mild, there's still a busy season and a quiet season. And it's all weather too. So it can be really warm, like 100 degrees hot, sunny, 100 degrees Fahrenheit, and then freezing cold. I mean, even like in Florida, it can, get, it can get cold where you need a winter coat. There's like a lot of production in Florida that's in greenhouses. And so there's maintaining, like everyone's fears that the greenhouse runs out of like whatever power it's run on. And then there's a frost and the plants die inside, which that happens like all the time. <laughs> so there's a lot of oversight on these big operations.
0: So maybe as we wind down here what are some tips for selecting good plants from the nursery? I think our very very first episode we talk about picking the right tree. Mm-hmm. So some things will overlap with what we've probably said before, but you know, you're there, you're looking at a little container of something and how do you know it's the right plant to not just in the right place but that it is a quality plant?
1: Well, that it's it's a balance between it wants to be well rooted so you can very gently take it out of the container or just begin to take it out and see, is it so pot-bound that you cannot get it out and that it's there's circling roots and it's solid roots and no soil? That would not be good. The other extreme would be that it was quite a little plant that was just put into a bigger plant and that's full of loose soil. A
0: bigger pot.
1: A bigger pot, right. Mm -hmm. Sorry about that. So you just want to... An ideal plant would be well-rooted, but there'd there'd be some loose soil that you can find the root flare. So the plant if it's a shrub or a tree, that it's apparent that it gets slightly wider when it meets the soil, that there's no insects, disease, fungus, that it looks vigorous, like depending whatever, whatever its ideal would be. So doing a little research in advance would be good to know what should Boston ivy look like in November. Well, it should look like there's probably no leaves on it. So that would be normal for it. Um, where if it was July, it should have leaves on it. So sort of knowing the ideal. Yeah, I think that's like some general guidelines.
0: Anything uh, you wanted to cover before we wrap up today?
1: Well, let's see. I mean, a suggestion which I use is trying to visit the nurseries when they're like off peak. So retail nursery is generally Saturday and Sunday. If they're even most, they're almost all open Saturday. Some of them wouldn't be open on Sunday. So that's like the busiest. You might not really get sales help, might not find parking. So trying to going when they're not as busy. A wholesale nursery, they're often busy first thing in the morning where all the construction and contract people are there. So if you go a little, and the wholesale nursery is somewhat shut down, there's often a coffee break at 10 some in the morning, and then there's a lunch break. So going at a time when they're not at at their peak, that can really go a long way.
0: Good advice from a pro who visits nurseries (laughs) frequently. So that's good. I hope that's helpful to some of our listeners. And we always welcome feedback. Please, please feel free to connect with us. I think the easiest way to do that is to go to our webpage, kinggardeninc.com, and you can go to forward slash in-the-landscape. dash the dash landscape. Of course, you could go to kinggardeninc.com homepage and find a lot of our information there about the business, about our online courses, about about the podcast and you can always send an email to us at connect at kinggardeninc.com we're also on facebook at in the landscape and then uh, we're under king garden inc on instagram it's a lot to keep track of so the website (laughs) is the best resource because we're all in one place we're a business with a podcast so we've got a couple names floating (laughs) around but we're happy that you found us today and uh, ha- take, took the opportunity to listen. Many of your questions may be answered in previous episodes. So please do go back and listen. And if we haven't answered your question, you can always send it to us because we do listener question episodes and we're looking forward to preparing another one soon.
1: know, mm-hmm. yeah, By visiting a couple wholesalers here in Texas recently, I've come to learn, like asking the nursery professionals, are there are there plants that are in trouble? You know, and, and they'll say, Oh, yeah, you know, this species, we're seeing trouble. People are steering toward this one. Where it's those that information is not advertised. And you have to ask. And other like what are the trends? And they'll say, Oh, this one kind of uh, Mexican sycamore, you know, is really popular now. There's a lot to be gained by just visiting before you have to, just to gather information.
0: Fair enough. Okay. So That's all for this episode. We hope you get out into the landscape or visit a nursery soon and enjoy your gardening and landscape pursuits.
1: Mm -hmm. Thanks. Thank you. Bye-bye.